Hey there, welcome to LiveWire. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. We have a great show this week. First up, we're going to talk to columnist and celebrated author R. Eric Thomas. He's got a new memoir out titled, Congratulations, The Best is Over, which is, believe it or not, much less depressing than the name would indicate. Eric is going to explain how he realized baking cupcakes was actually a cry for help for him and how we can find joy in the middleness of life, which it turns out is what life is mostly made up of the middle parts. Then we are going to hear some stand-up from comedian, actor, and proud son of Portland, Ian Carmel. He says Arby's is a farm-to-table restaurant, and he can prove it. Then we're going to hear some music from the indie band Non-Binary Girlfriend. This is going to be a good one, so stick around. Livewire gets started right after this. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey there, Elena. Hey, Luke. How's it going? It is going fabulously this week, especially because we are about to play another round of Station Location Identification Examination. Are you ready? Yes, I am so ready. This is where I quiz Elena on a place in the United States where Livewire is on the radio. She's got to guess where I'm talking about. This is a place that gets very snowy. The locals refer to the snow that they get in the area as champagne powder. Oh, my. Which is the lightest, fluffiest powder you can imagine. So it sounds like both a moneyed place and a place with skiing. Okay. So I've narrowed it down to three states. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it has about 150 natural hot springs. That did not help at all. Okay. <laughs> it's home to more Olympians than any other place in the U.S. One out of every 136 individuals who compete as Olympians apparently live in this place. So it's got springs. It's in a snowy place. How might you how might you get to those springs? Maybe take a certain kind of maritime vessel? Is it Steamboat Springs? It's Steamboat <laughs> Springs, Colorado, where we're on KRNC Radio. What a hint, Burbank. What a hint. <laughs> I don't know if that's what the steamboat is even named for in the name. I just figured it might lead you in the right direction. So shout out to everybody listening in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. All right, should we get to the show? Let's do it. All right, take it away. From PRX, it's... This week, columnist and author R. Eric Thomas. 
when I moved back, I started seeing a therapist, and I was like, I need to have couples counseling. And he was like, with you know, your husband? And I was like, no, me in the city of Baltimore. And comedian Ian Carmel. Arby's is a farm-to-table restaurant. It's a worse farm, and the table is bolted to the floor. With music from Non-Binary Girlfriend and our fabulous house band. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now, the host of Livewire, Luke Burbank. Thank you so much, Elena Passarello. Thanks to everyone tuning in to Livewire from all over the country, including the fine folks in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. We have an exceptional show in store for you this week. Of course, we asked the audience a question. We asked our listeners, what's the most surprising difference between you and your partner That will make more sense as the show unfolds. We're going to hear those responses coming up. But first, of course, we have to kick things off with the best news we heard all week. This is our little reminder at the top of the program. There is some good news happening out there in the world occasionally. We just have to find it for you sometimes. Elena, what is the best news you've heard this week? I don't know if this is going to be the best news for everybody, but... But have you uh, ever been a part of a book club, Mr. Burbank? I was in a book club for the graphic novel Watchmen. I think that was the one and only book club I've been in. That's a good one. I've never been a part of one. But if I was a part of one, I think I'd want to be a part of this one. There's a Southern California book club that was started by Jerry Fialka, a filmmaker in Venice. And they only read one book. And they've only been reading this book for 28 years, and they just finished it. (laughs) The book is Finnegan's Wake. Do you know about this book? I know that it's famously lengthy, correct? Yes, it's 650 pages. It was written by James Joyce. I had a theory that no one had actually read Finnegan's Wake. Now I stand corrected. But it's sort of written in a lot of different languages. There's some made-up languages in it. Uh, One of the book club members describes some of the pages of Finnegan's Wake as looking like complete typographical errors. (laughs) (laughs) So this group, this book club, has been meeting for 28 years, and they only cover about two pages a session. And instead of doing that thing where they're like kind of doing like literary interpretation or thinking about plot, because I mean, there is a plot, but like people aren't 100% sure where the novel is set or (laughs) what any of the characters are. Like it's that cryptic of a book. So this group instead, Fialka says he treats it more like performance art or like a hootenanny or like a choir. They read pages out loud. They open 30 different Wikipedia tabs and they just kind of like geek out together and not in a way that necessarily turns into scholarship. It just turns into this kind of artistic practice. One guy who joined 15 years ago when they were only about like 40 pages in, he drove like three hours round trip from San Diego to attend the book club because he said it's kind of hard finding people who will talk about this book with you. (laughs) I love this. This is a book club that I could actually be a part of, I think. Listen to what this group did. They finished the book this month. And do you know what these people did upon finishing Finnegan's Wake? They started right back over again. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. My best news story takes us to Cumberland Township, Pennsylvania, where a woman named Chelsea Rumbaugh has a farm. And she recently got a new pig for her farm. 
and by the way, I think this is a kind of farm where they uh, raise animals to be, uh, you know, sort of therapy animals for people to come in and spend time with and stuff. So this pig presumably was had a pretty good life in front of it, but it didn't know that because it kept burrowing under the fence and escaping <laughs> from Chelsea's farm there in Cumberland Township. It happened like three times, and the final time, this pig really got away, like got far away, and they couldn't find it. And so she had to set up a Facebook page to try to find the pig. And the title for the Facebook page was Bring Kevin Bacon Home, because the pig was named Kevin Bacon. And Chelsea was hoping to get some tips on any Kevin Bacon the pig sightings around the area. And, uh, it, of course, because uh, the Internet... This made its way to the awareness of one actual Kevin Bacon. <laughs> nice. Who was posting it on his socials, bring <laughs> Kevin Bacon home. And apparently it worked because somebody finally caught up with the pig Kevin Bacon. It took a couple of weeks. Aww. The pig Kevin Bacon had taken to just approaching people on the street and just getting food from them. <laughs> and so when somebody figured out that this pig that was going around mooching food off of humans was the Kevin Bacon that was missing. They put a bunch of Benadryl in a sticky bun. He ate the sticky bun. He went to sleep from the Benadryl. <laughs> and uh, they were able to load him into a, like a truck and get him back to the farm, which has now been getting so much attention that uh, Chelsea says that this is going to help speed along their plans to turn the property into a free farm that is open to the public and that is specifically designed for adults and children who've struggled with PTSD, anxiety, and depression to come visit the animals, including Kevin Bacon the pig. So that right there, the safe return of one Kevin Bacon, thanks to the help from another Kevin Bacon. That's the best news that I heard all week. All right, let's invite our first guest on over to the program. He is the best-selling author of Here For It, or How to Save Your Soul in America. He's written for TV. He's an award-winning playwright. And he's the person behind the popular Eric Reads the News column that was in Elle magazine for years. His latest book is Congratulations, the Best is Over, and it examines what happens after someone gets what they thought was their happily ever after. This is our Eric Thomas, who joined us on stage at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. It's I'm so excited to be here. I really love this show. And I really love I really love Portland. And I'm like, oh, this is my favorite thing. <laughs> well, you're one of our favorite things. I, I was I, I loved this book so much. But for for folks that haven't gotten to familiarize themselves yet, I want to kind of set up the plot. So basically you grew up in Baltimore. I did, yeah. And and it sounds like you grew up in a really loving family. You had a kind of a pretty good thing going, but also you write in this book that you had a toxic relationship with Baltimore. Yeah. What did Baltimore do to you? Well, you know, where to start, okay? <laughs> I went to my therapist. I went, started, when I moved back, I started seeing a therapist, and I was like, I need to have couples counseling. And he was like, with you know, your husband? And I was like, no, me in the city of Baltimore. <laughs> like, I think it's one, the place where you're from is always, it knows all the ghosts of the people that you used to be, right? And um, that wow, was, that really was a very <laughs> knowing groan from the audience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, and and that's like you. It never 
it never goes away. You never shake that off. There are places where I would pass and I'd, be, I'd remember things I had done or things that had happened to me. And so there's all this like physical memory. And then also the city of Baltimore is always becoming. They have changed the city motto like four times. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's currently the greatest city in America, which I was like, is this shade? Like, <laughs> like no offense. But whenever I tell people where I'm from, they either say I love Hairspray or I love The Wire. So like uh-huh. the greatest greatest city we're overshooting here you yeah. know yeah. that's like me saying i'm the greatest basketball player in america like they did name the bathrooms though at the museum for john waters they did at yeah. his request that's pretty good yeah which Would is amazing the greatest city in america not do that i mean no they true. wouldn't that is greatness yes. you know greatness has been has visited upon the city <laughs> like a ghost seeing scrooge but like <laughs> <laughs> Does it live there? I don't know. So I, though, this was all the energy I was bringing back with me when I moved mm-hmm. back. And I was like, babe, this is not healthy. Like, you can't be like every morning, like, good morning, Baltimore. What you can't now? Harvey Firestein. <laughs> yeah. Darling, hold mommy's waffles. <laughs> From Hairspray. Oh, good, good. Well done. Um, uh, so the, the kind of the, the arc of this book is you're, you're living in Philadelphia for a while. You're kind of like looking to find yourself and mm-hmm. figure out what you are artistically interested in and stuff. And there's a moment uh, where you're working at the Hard Rock Cafe mm-hmm. um, and you're still kind of finding your artistic voice. What, what is it like working at the Hard Rock Cafe while still <laughs> trying to find one's artistic voice? <laughs> you know, I have to say it was an eye-opening experience. I worked there for six or seven years. And at first it was just like a money job and I didn't know what I was doing. And I would come home every day like covered in like barbecue sauce and, and you know, like bits of uh, the jumbo combo, you know. Mm-hmm. But I got to, I like, one, I like, I grew up evangelical and so I never listened to like the devil's music. And so I'd be like at the Hard Rock hearing the devil's music and yes. I'd be like, oh, this is Metallica? Oh, this isn't so bad, you know. <laughs> I discovered that all the devil's music was playing like every car and Jeep commercial that I'd ever heard. So right. <laughs> kind of that's how it gets you. You know, it's yeah. like, do you, want, do you want to drive a Ford? Um, and I would like write in my server book, like little snatches of plays and stories. Some of those stories started off in the, in like a, a barbecue sauce stained server book and ended up 10 years later in, in your hand, which yeah. is amazing to me. So Absolutely. thanks so much. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we're talking to our Eric Thomas. Um, now, this isn't in the book, but I heard you mention it uh, during something else that you were talking about, and it really intrigued me. You, you were saying that um, during this period of time, you weren't, I don't think you were at Hard Rock Cafe, you were a different restaurant, but you heard that Patti LaBelle <laughs> liked yeah. to eat there, and you mm-hmm. made it a personal mission oh, yeah. to be there when... Miss Patty LaBelle was there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Miss Patty LaBelle. Uh, (laughs) So this was when I was, so I was, I, I was living in Philly, um, and I had not wanted to move to Philly either. I have a weird relationship (laughs) with cities. Um, we were were talking about this before. Maybe it's me, but I don't think so. Um, (laughs) I just can't see how it could be. Um, And so I didn't want to move to Philly. I didn't like Philly. I remember I'd seen the movie Philadelphia. I was like, got it, you know. 
Because the city looks post-apocalyptic, I gotta say, like in that movie. It's better now, but anyway. But one shining North Star for me was Patti LaBelle liked, lived there. She lives on the main line in Philadelphia, and she liked to go to this one restaurant called Pod. And I was like, I'm gonna work at Pod one day. And then I got a job at Pod, and then she came in on my day off. Oh. And oh, oh no, no, don't, don't, don't test me. <laughs> Patty LaBelle, don't be playing games with me. So the pastry chef, Danielle, called me on my Patty phone. There's one phone in my house. <laughs> Attached to the wall, it sings, new attitude! Um, and she's like, get here right now. And I ran, and I took this picture with Patty LaBelle. And one of the funniest things, she goes to this, it's this upscale um, sushi fusion restaurant, and she would order like a salad with balsamic vinaigrette. And I'm like, perfect. Uh, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all she gets. That's all you need. Uh, I love her. So it was the best. So that's what that's called having a dream. Yeah. <laughs> well, you also met someone almost as important as Patti LaBelle in Philadelphia, which was your future and now husband, yes. David. I want to talk about that after this quick break. This is Livewire from PRX. We're talking to our Eric Thomas about his new book. Congratulations. The best is over. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke. I didn't see you there. It's that time of year again. My seasonal allergies are back. Oh, congratulations. But also, it's our spring member drive, which is happening right now through May 17th. Oh, I like that much more than seasonal allergies. Yeah, if you are not yet a member of Livewire's League of Extraordinary Listeners, well, now is the time to do it. Why? Well, because this League of Extraordinary Listeners... Uh, is what keeps the lights on over at Livewire Inc., uh, which is definitely not the association that we are part of. I'm probably a 501c3. They don't let me near any of the paperwork mm -hmm. or bookkeeping, and it's really better that way. Yes. Point is, we, we are only able to keep doing this show because of support from our members, and we would love it if you could join us in that right now. Plus, there are all kinds of sweet perks, including... Uh, special discounted tickets to live recordings, on-air shout-outs, exclusive content. Uh, and, Elena, uh, one more thing, that, of course, we would not be a self-respecting public radio show if we didn't offer this. If we didn't offer the most iconic public radio swag of all time, a tote bag. True iconic status. Yeah, but it's not just any tote bag. This is like a really good tote bag. It's got a second zipper, an internal zipper. Yes, whatever you want to put in the tote bag, that's your business, okay? What we're here to talk about is you keeping LiveWire going. So head on over to LiveWireRadio.org to see the various member levels. It does not matter how much you are giving every month to LiveWire. It just matters that you do it because it goes a long way for us. So thank you. Welcome back to Livewire from PRX this week, coming to you from the Alberta Rose Theater, right here in Portland, Oregon. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarella. We're talking to our Eric Thomas about his new book. Congratulations, the best is over. Okay, so um, you, <laughs> you 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 met Miss Patty Labelle, but you also met your your future husband David, who, when he proposed to you, you write in this book. He uh, did so when y'all were on a hike, yeah. mm -hmm. which was like probably second 
your second pick for yeah. where he would propose? Where were you hoping he would propose? Well, I was hoping um, that he would propose in the place where every good thing has happened to me, Pod, the sushi restaurant. Wait, um, the same one? Yeah. No, I really want it, even though they had fired me. Um, huh? uh, and I was like, I was like, I don't care. I'll go back. I still have my Cobra paperwork. I'll come back. <laughs> like, no, but I always imagined... So my husband David, he's from he's from this area. He grew up in Sherwood, and like he's an outdoor cat. He loves he loves gardening. He worked on a farm in Japan for years. He is an Eagle Scout. I am an indoor cat. Um, <laughs> and so my choice, I was like, it'll be a cute thing if we get engaged by like you go to one of those sushi bars where they rotate around on the conveyor belt, and like you just put the ring in one of them, in one mm-hmm. of the little maki, right? Yeah. I know, right? Cute. Look at Very your face. Cute. Yes, you love this. Everyone loves this. And then you, you're like, pick that maki, and you're like. I don't want a California roll. And they're like, I think you should have one. <laughs> and there's a video of Godzilla playing. And you're like, oh. He was like, but what if we go to um, Bend, Oregon? Um, uh, I was like, mm, okay. Um, and hike up Black Butte. Um, lots of cheers from people who have no taste. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, because I was like, we got to fly across the country and then hike up this mountain. He's like, oh, it's not a mountain. It's a stratovolcano. And I was like, okay, I'm not even worth a mountain. Like, we got to go to Everest. But we went to Bend and we hiked up this mountain, <laughs> this stratovolcano. And did you have an inkling that something was up? Oh, yeah, we'd already decided. We okay. knew. Yeah, we talked about it. I had, had, I had the, the Facebook post pre-written. Right. Like, I was very... <laughs> you knew you were going up this volcano to get proposed to. Yeah, or get thrown in. I don't know. Okay. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, um, but I get to the top, and he had written some words that for both of us to read to each other. And then we built a, a cairn, and he explained to me what a cairn is. Um, and uh, he said it was a place where people return to when they lose their way or when something changes in their path. And I, like, I started to sob um, on that mountain because I had gone, I was 35 years old and I had been on 9 million terrible dates. Um, (laughs) And I just didn't think that there was, that this was in the cards for me. Mm. And not only was it in the cards, but this person from across the country, traveled across this land, found me, brought me back, dragged me up a stratovolcano <laughs> to prove to me that I was loved. Um, and I, uh, I cried so hard. I was like, we got to tell those, those hikers that I'm not being broken up with. Like, <laughs> I was really worried. <laughs> I was embarrassed. <laughs> Oh, man. We are talking to our Eric Thomas about his new book, Congratulations, The Best is Over. The book is so funny, but also, you know, the cover of the book is an upside-down cupcake, yeah. which is a reference to a kind of a time in your life where you got really into baking cupcakes, probably because you were also dealing with some depression. <laughs> and I'm curious, I mean, I feel like it's this book is written... Um, it's so funny, but it's also written for people that could be having a real cupcake week, yeah. as yeah. it were. What was that period like for you? It was in my early, no, I would say early 20s. I was like fully 29, but that's early. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, could, 
you, it, it, was, was, <laughs> it was like January of your 29th yeah. year. So yeah. first month. in first that month. year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it can still happen for me. You know, yeah. the, uh, the blush of youth was still mm. across my face. Um, <laughs> and I just, I wasn't, I wasn't making any progress creatively, professionally, romantically. Um, I was in this very low period, which is sort of sometimes what your early, early to late middle 20s is. <laughs> And sometimes it's your 30s or your 40s. It's, it's life. And um, I'd gone through a friend breakup, and I just started, I didn't, I just wanted a cupcake. <laughs> I was like, but you can't just, like, make one cupcake. So I made a dozen cupcakes. And I kept making cupcakes um, because it made me happy. And I was living with this, this guy, EJ, who was a bodybuilder, and he was, like, counting macros. <laughs> and I'm, like, covering the kitchen with buttercream icing. Um, oh, he was so hot. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, am I going through something? And everybody who knew it was like, are you going through something? You make seven cakes a week. <laughs> and they're not good. But sometimes you just, you're go, you go through these cupcake days. And I just think that, you know, ultimately it's a book about sort of approaching your cupcake days in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 70s, coming, having this period where you think, is it over for me? Is, it, is this done? Did I miss it? Did I miss the party? Mm. Making your own party and then figuring out what's next, you know? I feel like a theme that comes up in this book, along with all the humor, is the middleness of life, mm-hmm. which is the worst part. You know, it's like when <laughs> my therapist would talk about it, like being in a swimming pool, but in the middle of a pool and you don't know how deep it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we know what clinging to the side is. Mm-hmm. We know what being mad at someone is. We know what loving someone is. We know what good and bad feels like. All the middle stuff yeah. is really terrifying at times. How have you, or have you, I guess, <laughs> through your life and through the writing of this book and your relationship with your husband, found a way to be in those middle times and spaces? I'd like to phone a friend. Um, <laughs> can we get my therapist on the line? No, I, you know, I think one of the things that came out of this book um, and the experience of writing this book and also really talking about it afterwards is uh, sort of a secondary metaphor. Um, uh, at the end of the book, we, we get a house and there's a huge garden and I, I have a typically uh, hard time in the garden. Um, <laughs> just maybe it's me, but I don't think so. Um, but what I think about the middleness, I feel like I always felt like there was a shoe about to drop. And now I think of the middle as this garden where I'm planting seeds and some seeds I'm going to get to see sprout and some seeds are annuals and some seeds are perennials and some seeds are going to outlive me. Um, and that used to really scare me. Um, because I don't want to not be here. Mm. And the middle is about saying goodbye to so many things Mm. and also saying hello to some things that you know are coming and you don't want to. Mm. There was a speech I heard once that talked about how when you sit at the base of a tree, you're not at the bottom of it. You're in in the middle of the tree. You're being Mm. held by the tree because the root system is sometimes as big or bigger than the canopy. And I think about... I think about life like that as this, this, this root system, this fertile place, this compost space. But then you turn it and it becomes something fertile and beautiful and you put it on the ground and up pops the tulip. Up pops this thing that you're like, I don't think I planted that. Did you plant that? <laughs> up pops a weed. Um, so, yeah, that's how I think about the middle now. Yeah. 
I don't have a choice but to be here, but I'm going to farm. That is so much more useful of an answer than I got from my therapist. <laughs> I'm being totally honest. It's much better than a pool. <laughs> it was a lot of... I paid a lot of money over the years to hear a less useful answer than what you just gave. <laughs> right here on Livewire. That's our Eric Thomas here on the show. Um, all right. All right, as we uh, have been talking about, um, you wrote about your cupcake days where you were getting really into baking, mm -hmm. maybe even too into baking, although that's a fairly tame hobby to pick up. <laughs> Turns out that there are some much stranger hobbies out there enjoyed by some of the most famous people in the world. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to sort of quiz you on some of these strange hobbies Amazing. that famous people have. Would you okay. like to participate? Um, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Starting with Beyonce. <laughs> uh, which one of these is a, a real hobby mm -hmm. of Beyonce? Is it bedazzling things? Uh huh. Uh, is it beekeeping? Mm -hmm. Or is it making balloon animals? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so I think bedazzling is J-Lo. So. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. The, through the process of elimination, you've eliminated... I've eliminated one. Yeah. Beekeeping, you know, ooh, that's, that, I mean, it would be really smart of her to do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go balloon animals. Oh. oh, no. I wish she did, though. I like, know, right? I really, like, what shapes would she make? Oh, gosh. Like, little unicorns. Like, she'd be like, Unicorn, like, yeah. Like, like she'd be, everything would look like a dog, but she'd be like, this is a goat. And you'd be like, okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it turns out it's beekeeping. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh, bravo. It's very on brand. Yes. yes. Yeah. As Elena said in rehearsal, it's a little on the nose. Yeah. Beyonce. Yeah. So it turns out a couple of her uh, kids have allergies, and she had found out that this honey, so she oh. got two hives at her house because the honey is good for her kids' allergies. I love that. I also right? love that Beyonce is not heard of going to Whole Foods, you know? <laughs> or like a farmer's market. She's like, we need local honey. Well, what, well we gotta set up three acres of bees. <laughs> right. But she's also saving the world, you That's know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So. All right. How about Rod Stewart? Oh, gosh. <laughs> is Rod Stewart's hobby puppetry? <laughs> Building model railways? Or uh, an endurance kind of sport where they drop a ferret into your trousers and you have to see how long you can stand it. It's called ferret legging. I believe it's big in the UK. Which one of these three things is a hobby that Sir Rod Stewart participates in? I'm going to be so mad if it's ferret legging. Um, I'm going to be so... I mean, it feels... That feels very complex. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with option B, model trains. You're going to be absolutely right. Building model railways. That's right. He is apparently obsessed to the point where Rod Stewart was once on the cover of Railway Modeler magazine, <laughs> which he said meant more to him than being on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yes. Yes. 
I have that cover framed in my office at work. No. Wait, are you serious? He looks so happy. <laughs> I look at it when I'm having a bad day oh to goodness. remind myself that people can be happy. Really, he's found his passion. Oh, I love that. <laughs> All right, how about um, Penelope Cruz? Oh. The, the great actor Penelope Cruz. Is Penelope's hobby treasure hunting? <laughs> Collecting coat hangers? Or... Making bookmarks. You know what? I think that she is a treasure hunter. I think she's trying to spelunk into a cave and find the heart of the ocean. <laughs> she is hunting for treasure, but she finds it in coat hangers. Oh, she goes to dry cleaners? Like, <laughs> she uh, apparently loves to collect coat hangers, especially non-metal ones, and has a collection of over 500 coat hangers. You okay. imagine going to Penelope Cruz's house, oh, and she's no. like, "Can I show you my coat hangers?" I, no. I'd call, I'd call the police. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, I just like, I love one of the most talented people mm -hmm. and brilliant people, Oscar winner, mm -hmm. um, should be a two-time Oscar winner in my opinion, mm. um, and she's like. Oh, man, we got to stop by Target on the way home. Right. I'm, I'm fiending Javier. <laughs> Are rich people bored? Yes. <laughs> I believe they are. I will tell you uh, a time when one will never be bored. When you are reading our Eric Thomas's new book, Congratulations, The Best is Over. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. That was our Eric Thomas right here on Livewire. His new book is Congratulations, The Best is Over, and it's out and available now. Hey, special thanks this episode to Morris Malakoff of Vancouver, Washington. Morris is part of the Livewire member community and is generously supporting the show with a donation each month, which is absolutely vital to both the mission of Livewire and the bank account of Livewire, which we need so we can keep doing our mission. Big thanks to Morris this week for keeping Livewire going. This is Livewire. Uh, of course, each week we like to ask our listeners a question related to the program. This week we asked, what's the most surprising difference between you and your partner? Elena has been collecting up those responses. What are you seeing? Oh, these are great. Uh, and a surprising amount of them involve peanut butter, like this one from Lily. Lily says, I love peanut butter. If something has peanut butter in it, I'm eating it. But my partner is severely allergic to it. We've been together for four years now, and I've just had to cut peanut butter out of my life. And it's been hard. I even thought about not pursuing him when I found this out years ago. But we're still happy together without peanut butter. <laughs> Can't they have like a, some kind of peanut butter chamber, some sort of maybe hermetically sealed <laughs> closet where Lily can go and have a scoop of peanut butter? A peanut butter panic room. Right. You know, I'm trying to think what my peanut butter would be like something that would make me consider not being with someone. And I think it would be a cat allergy. <laughs> Mine would be if they had a pizza allergy. Luckily, I don't think that that's very common. So I should be should be OK going forward. What's something else that uh, marks a real difference between one of our listeners and their partner? Here's a cryptic one from Kate. Kate says, our views on the meaning of Billy Joel's The Piano Man. 
<laughs> Debates have been raging for six years. I'm right and he's wrong. What could they possibly be debating about? Is he good at his job? <laughs> Is it not really five o'clock on a Saturday? Saturday? <laughs> Please, Kate, let us know. I, I'm Now I want to hear this debate that you're right about, Kate. It doesn't seem like a, a song that there would be that many interpretations. In fact, I would say maybe a, a critical look at the song would say, it's pretty obvious. It's really <laughs> yeah. laid right out there. It's a, This is not a song that really trades in subtlety. I don't know what's up for interpretation. It's a declarative song. Although I did think that the line, uh, when I wore a younger man's clothes, was when I wandered under men's clothes for a long time when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more surprising difference between one of our listeners and their partner. Here's one from Max. Max says, my partner believes in movie sequels. She will watch a sequel with enthusiasm and respect, but I firmly believe a sequel is never better than the original. <clears throat> Godfather 2, Max. Well, that's the that's the sort of like recognized uh, rebuttal to that argument, right? Godfather 2? Yeah. And Babe Pig in the City. Just kidding. That movie stinks. <laughs> That's a terrifying movie. Really? Max says that they have sat through countless bad sequels for their partner, even all 10 Fast and the Furious movies. Wow, that is a commitment. It's sort of the piano man of movies. I think you can really <laughs> just catch it right from the trailer. You've pretty much got the whole plot. So, all right. Thanks to everyone who sent in responses to our listener question. We'll have another one for next week's show coming up in just a bit. In the meantime, our next guest is an Emmy-nominated stand-up comedian, actor, and former co-head writer for The Late Late Show with James Corden. He's performed on Conan, Comedy Central, and Netflix. His debut comedy album, 9.2 on Pitchfork, which I think is a spectacular name for a comedy album. <laughs> uh, Ian Carmel's comedy special was released back in 2015 to rave reviews. He's also one of the hosts of the great weekly podcast, All Fantasy Everything. This is Ian Carmel, recorded at our show at Show Bar in Portland, Oregon. Take a listen. I am a proud son of Portland, Oregon. I'm a proud son of Portland, Oregon. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a 39-year-old aging millennial from Portland, Oregon. And when I say that, you know everything you need to know about me. Anything, you know exactly what kind of movies I like, you know what kind of music I listen to, you know exactly what kind of restaurants I like to eat at. I will only eat at a restaurant if they proudly say that they are farm to table. That's it, you do? Yeah. I will only eat at a restaurant if they say that they're farm to table, which is a very silly thing for a restaurant to say because that's where they grow food. And that's what you eat it off of at every restaurant. Arby's is a farm to table restaurant. It's a worse farm and the table is bolted to the floor, but it is still a farm to table. When I say farm to table, I specifically mean a farm that is owned by a lovely lesbian couple who left finance and bought goats. And when I say table, I mean a door that used to be on a church that they've turned onto its side and I sit around it with six other couples who I didn't arrive with. And we all talk about the same three A24 movies all night. Farm to table, what a silly thing to say, farm to table. Oh, is this a farm to table restaurant? This is farm to table? So when I sit down, it's butt to seat and then eyes to menu, right? 
It's eyes to menu, order to waiter, waiter to chef, chef to pan, pan to plate. Is that right? Plate to table, food to, food to fork, fork to mouth? Fork to mouth, and let's just say I have to go to the bathroom and do butt to seat. Where is that, over there? I, uh, I mentioned I'm 39 and I don't, I don't have any kids. I'm 39 with no kids, which means I have a lot of free time. I have too much free time and I'm starting to worry me because I could feel myself starting to get into QAnon, you know? <laughs> I could feel it happening. I like, first I looked into it and was like, what is this? This is really silly. This is stupid. What? He's what? John F. Kennedy Jr. is what? what? He did what? What? <laughs> You start getting, I know, like, I like the Da Vinci Code too much to know I couldn't fall for QAnon. You know what I mean? Like, I had to pick up a hobby. To, I had to get into smoking meat just to make sure it didn't happen. <laughs> I got into smoking meat because I had to get a hobby. And smoking meat and QAnon are actually pretty similar. You end up watching a lot of 90-minute YouTube videos where it's just a sweaty guy in Kentucky talking right into the camera. I got into barbecuing on. That's what I did instead. <laughs> I got married last year. I got married last year. Thank you. I, got, I think I'm a good husband. I think I'm a good husband in atypical ways, though. I try to go above, above and beyond the standard call of duty. Like, my wife is a big Taylor Swift fan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, when Taylor Swift puts out new music, I will make sure to start a fight where I'm absolutely at fault so she can properly enjoy Taylor Swift's music. Because <laughs> you can't really listen to Taylor Swift if everything is going great at home, you know what I mean? Like, you can, but it just doesn't hit right, you know what I mean? Like, Taylor Swift, when you're in a fight, it's like drinking Bordeaux in Bordeaux. And I want my wife to have that experience. I, uh, I lost 180 pounds during the, uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Very good for my blood pressure, very confusing for my stand-up comedy career. I used to be able to come up here and say ham sandwich and I would get a standing ovation. Now I'm too hot. Yeah. Yeah. Too hot to do stand-up now. I'm not relatable. Nobody can relate to my lifestyle. You know what I mean? All I'm ever doing is going to the beach and leasing Jeeps. Nobody wants to hear about that. I'm hot now. No, I, no, honestly, my appearance didn't change that much when I lost weight. It really didn't. Like, before I lost weight, I looked like I owned a deli. And now I look like I own a worse deli. <laughs> I should tell you that losing weight is very easy. A lot of people ask how I did it. Losing weight is very, very simple. It's easy. All you have to do is overcome everything in society. <laughs> millions and millions of years of genetic evolution based on the idea of scarcity and then you don't eat after eight, and that's it, that's it! <laughs> I should have known it was time to lose weight, because when I would get on fights on Twitter with people, or X, when I would get on fights online with people, 
they wouldn't even insult me anymore. You know what I mean? They wouldn't even like insult my weight. There was a point when they would like, oh, shut up, fatso. And I eventually gained so much weight that like when I would say something like, Jared Kushner looks like a Banana Republic vampire. You know, like. <laughs> Some guy with like Oakley's and an American flag hat would comment, you have high blood pressure. Good looking out, thank you. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> I started, I didn't go to the doctor when I was heavier. I didn't go to the doctor because it's scary to go to the doctor when you're, when you're fat. It's scary. It's hard to do. If when you go to the doctor when you're fat, the doctor will just blame it on you being fat. No matter what's wrong with you, they will blame it on you being fat. It doesn't, you could walk into the doctor with a samurai sword sticking out of your torso. <laughs> And the doctor will be like, we've talked about this so many times. You have to lose some weight. You know, if you go to the doctor, when you're fat and you have asthma, you go to the doctor, he's like, it's cheeseburger fumes. You've been huffing too many cheeseburgers. <laughs> going to the doctor is hard in general. Even if you're not fat, going to the doctor is hard. Because sometimes you go to the doctor and you talk yourself into it. You're like, all right, this thing's been bothering me for a while. I've been putting it off, but I gotta go. It's not going away, I gotta go. You make the appointment. And nine months later, when your appointment comes up, <laughs> you go to the doctor and you tell him what's wrong and the doctor's like, huh, that's weird. I don't know what that is. Sorry, thanks for coming in. That should be illegal. That should be against the law. If the doctor doesn't know what's wrong with you, they, they should have to give you their jacket. You get their jacket now. That's mine. Give me that jacket. I'm not leaving here empty handed. That's fine. Now, all it takes to be a doctor is not knowing. I can do that. Give me that thing. I'll knock out your client list like that, all right? Just go out to the waiting room. We don't know. We don't know. Bodies are a mystery. Science still has so far to go. Eat more salt. Eat less salt. Walk more. Walk less. Walk while you're eating salt. Get out of here. Everybody have a great day. I got a tea time. I don't know when they got rid of the uh, sticker incentive program at the doctor. Remember when you were a kid and you would go to the doctor and they'd give you a sticker afterwards? How come that goes away just because we're grown up? I don't like that. I didn't consent to that at all. I want a sticker. It's easier for kids to go to the doctor. Nothing's wrong with kids. When you're a kid, all that happens when you go to the doctor is they're like, boy, you're tall. Let's look at your penis. <laughs> all right, here's a sticker. Go back to the waiting room and play with this weird toy. <laughs> what was that toy? It was only ever at the doctor. And if you're just listening to this, you know the toy I'm talking about. Think of the toy that's only at the doctor. That toy. What was it? it was sweet. like Gen Z can complain about a lot of things. Climate change, you know, the economy, like all that stuff. But they have way better options when they're in the waiting room with the doctor. They can play their Nintendo Switch or anything like that. All we had was this weird, I'm assuming Nordic socialist toy that encouraged object permanence learning or something. <laughs> I've been Ian Carmel. Thank you for your time. That was Ian Carmel right here on Livewire. I'm Luke Burbank. That's Elena Passarello right over there. We've got to take a very quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we get back, we will hear some music from Non-Binary Girlfriend. Livewire is thrilled to be partnering with Portland's own Portal Tea this season. 
formerly known as Tea Chai Tay. Portal Tea is the premier tea company in the Pacific Northwest, and they make one-of-a-kind handcrafted tea blends like cinnamon churro chai and blueberry cream Earl Grey. Use the code LIVEWIRE, all lowercase, for 20% off at portaltea.co. Welcome back to LiveWire from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Okay, before we get to our musical guest this week, a little preview of next week's show, we are going to be talking to the writer and podcaster Dana Schwartz about her new book, Immortality, A Love Story. It's described as a YA book that's young adult, but I've read it, and even middle-aged adults like me can enjoy it. It's got everything. It's got history, romance. We're also going to talk about Dana's podcast, Noble Blood, Uh, which is really an interesting listen as well. Then we're going to talk to the artist and writer Jenny O'Dell about her latest book, Saving Time, Discovering a Life Beyond the Clock. And then we will get some music from Black Belt Eagle Scout. Her latest album is titled The Land, the Water, and the Sky. It's inspired by her life in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, she's just an incredible musician. Plus, we are going to be getting your response to our audience question for next week's show. Elena, what are we asking the Livewire listeners? We would like you to please tell us about your favorite way to, quote unquote, waste time. Now, the waste is in quotation marks, Elena, because, I mean, wasting time is that's sort of subjective, right? You know, some person's just staring into the middle distance could be restorative for them. And to someone else, it might seem like wasting time. We didn't want to put any judgments around how people are spending their time, which is why we put it in quotes. Gotcha. Yeah. Any time spent doing something that you enjoy is time well spent. Exactly. So if you have a response, a favorite way to quote unquote waste time, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. We still refuse to call it X. Uh, We're also at Livewire Radio in most places where social media happens. This is Livewire from PRX. Our musical guest this week was formed to impress someone who ended up never showing up for the concert in question. That is okay, though, because it turns out this band impressed tons of other people instead, even winning the Portland's Best New Band competition. Take a listen to Non-Binary Girlfriend recorded at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Great. You've got some fans here. Yeah, thank you so much. They're excited you're here. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, song we're going to hear? Yeah, so um, we're going to be playing the like hit single from our record, Big and Kind. And um, this song, I think, is just like really indicative of like what we're kind of trying to go for the whole thing. Kindness doesn't mean shrinking yourself. Um, it can mean taking up more space, uh, speaking up for yourself, talking about your boundaries, being clear about them. Um, sometimes it brings us out of our comfort zone a little bit. Sometimes you have to speak up uh, when it's uncomfortable. Thank you. This is Non-Binary Girlfriend here on Livewire.
That was Non-Binary Girlfriend, recorded at the Alberta Rose Theater. Their latest album, Big and Kind, is out now. That is going to do it for this week's episode of Livewire. A huge thanks to our guests, R. Eric Thomas, Ian Carmel, and Non-Binary Girlfriend. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. And our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Molly Pettit is our technical director. And our house sound is by D. Neil Blake. Trey Hester is our assistant editor. And our marketing and production manager is Karen Pan. Rosa Garcia is our operations associate. Jackie Ibarra is our production fellow. And Ant Diaz is our intern. Our house band is Ethan Fox Tucker, Sam Tucker, A.L. Alves, and A. Walker Spring, who also composes our music. This episode was mixed by Molly Pettit and Trey Hester. Additional funding provided by the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. This week, we would like to thank member Morris Malakoff of Vancouver, Washington. For more information about our show or how you can listen to our podcast, head on over to livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire crew. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed and you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And if you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.